You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Booked. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the program today, and I'm so glad you've joined me. There is a short poem written obviously as a lament and a kind of joke about someone who realised that he or she was not and never was going to be a contestant in the Miss Universe or Mr Universe contest. And here is the poem. When they gave out brains, I thought they said trains, and I missed mine. When they gave out looks, I thought they said books, and I didn't want any. When they gave out noses, I thought they said roses, and I ordered a big red one. When they gave out chins, I thought they said gins, so I ordered a double. Boy, am I a mess. Well, we're going to be talking about books. And books, as you may possibly know, were not always in the form of modern books, most common in our times with covers and pages. These are known as codex books. In earlier times, books consisted of large lengths of leather, cloth or of paper wound up on some sort of a stick, making a cylindrical shape. And these books are known as scrolls. The ancient Assyrians used clay tablets where the writing was impressed when the clay was soft and then baked later to make it hard. Such books contained a limited amount of information but, unless shattered, were extremely long-lasting. The book, the word book, rather, probably has its origins in the word beach. In German, the word beach sounds like buch. People used beech wood to carve letters or even short poems, and that name beech, or buch, has spread far and wide since. In our electronic times, books may not be visible in physical form, but are stores of electrical charges within an electronic device such as a computer or a mobile phone. But did you know that the Bible tells that God uses books? What form those books are, I have no idea. But God uses and has access to books. Any sort of written record qualifies as a book. In Exodus chapter 32 is a dialogue between God and Moses, the leader of the Israelite people for 40 years after they escaped from Egypt. At one time, despite all the evidence of God's care, provision and miracles, the people turned to worshipping an idol, a golden calf. God was so annoyed that he was seriously considering wiping everyone out except Moses and his family. 
Moses argued with the Lord and remonstrated with the people. The Bible records in Exodus 32 verse 32 something that demands my admiration. Moses said to God, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Moses wasn't the one who sinned here, but he was willing to give himself in exchange for mercy to the people. Now, what kind of love is that? The prophet Daniel had a number of important visions. Most of these concerned world powers and powerful influences that have tried to influence people. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel recorded what God had shown him regarding the activities and influences of the little horn power which many Bible scholars have identified as the Roman Church. Daniel was shown a courtroom scene in heaven. And I'll read to you from Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10, and this is what it said. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, his, the hair of his head was like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was coming out from before him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Moses spoke of God's book, but here in vision... Daniel sees more than one book. He said, books. In view of the fact that Daniel saw a judgment scene and who was being judged, it is reasonable to assume that the books referred to here are records of the evil things done by the little horn power being judged. The book Moses referred to is a much different book than the books Daniel saw in his vision. And if you read further in Daniel chapter 7, you'll be able to see some of the misdeeds, the sinful activities committed by the little horn power, which, as I said before, many have identified as the Roman church. The Apostle Paul, while waiting in Athens, Greece, for two of his fellow evangelists, Silas and Timothy, to join him there, had some time to do some sightseeing. While walking about the city, he noticed a multitude of idols the people worshipped. Now, Paul was a well-educated intellectual man and accepted an invitation to join the assembly in the Areopagus on Mars Hill, where various philosophers would gather to debate and hear new ideas. Who knows, the likes of Aristotle, Plato or Socrates may have been in these meetings. 
While walking about, Paul had noticed an idol with the inscription, To the Unknown God. And he began speaking to the assembled intellectuals about who this God was. He identified him as the God of the universe, the Creator God. Ever ready to make the most of an opportunity, Paul spoke about Jesus. Acts chapter 17 verse 31 and I'm reading from the Clear Word Paraphrase Bible. God has fixed a day when he will judge everyone by his law, and the judge will be a man of his own choosing, one he has already raised from the dead. And here I want to pause a moment, friends. How come Jesus is appointed as judge of people? Well, the answer is that Jesus came to this world to save their people from their sins by taking on himself their punishment. To be forgiven our sins requires an acknowledgement that we have sinned, and for us to ask God to forgive us through the merits of what Jesus did for us. Judgment will depend on what you and I do with Jesus. I'll say that again. Our judgment depends on what you and I do with Jesus. If we accept Jesus' substitutionary death and ask for forgiveness, then we can expect our names to be written in God's book of life, eternal life, that is, and in red ink written across our page, saved and forgiven through the blood of the Lamb. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, this is reinforced. Come now, it says, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They be, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. If we don't accept what has been done for us and go on in our own sweet ways, not acknowledging Jesus Christ and not observing God's law, then the records of our sins will be kept on file in a book to be used to show we are not worthy of eternal life. Those records will be used against us. And Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 9 tells why. The verse is addressing young people and the course of behaviour they choose. It says, Be happy, young man, while you're young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Now, of course, having been young, we get older, and it applies to everybody, not just to young people. The verse is simply saying, Enjoy your life, but remember 
that you are accountable to God and you will be judged according to your deeds. God keeps track on all of what we do. It's recorded in his books. I believe that is very important because when it comes to deciding who will be given eternal life, God will judge justly based on how we have lived. In Revelation chapter 20 in verses 11 through to 13 is about a vision given to the Apostle John. It is something similar given to the prophet Daniel. It is a judgment scene in the courtroom of God. And it says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades, which is the grave, gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now there are several things recorded here that need some clarification. Firstly, the verse pictures God in a different role. God is often pictured as gracious, merciful, forgiving, gentle and kind. And he is just that. But here God is pictured as a judge of mankind. He is pictured as mighty, authoritative, and in some ways awesome and terrible. At this point of time there is no further opportunity for repentance. There is no second chance, no opportunity for appeal. Secondly, Everyone who has ever lived will be judged, dead and living. There is no escape. Even those who are or have been in the highest or lowest echelons in society are subject to judgment. From powerful kings to the lowliest peasants, all are judged because God is above all including the mightiest people on earth. Thirdly, God does not judge according to whim or favour. He has the records. He knows about every single person, including you and me. He knows our motives. He knows all our secret things, all the good things and all the bad things that we have done. We might hide certain of our deeds from other people, but we can't hide them from God. That is a powerful motivator to live our lives according to his will, according to his commandments, 
and to be pure and transparent in every aspect of our lives. But did you notice there are two kinds of books? And I'm going to go on with this straight after the break. are the two kinds of books that God has. Besides the book of record, there is a special book here, as in Revelation, called the book of life. What is that book, you might wonder? Well, this is the book Moses referred to. It is like a special ledger containing the names of those who have accepted forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Their sins are forgiven. Therefore, they are not subject to condemnation. They, to put it bluntly, bypass judgment because of the acceptance of Christ's merits on their behalf. And did you notice the sentencing? 
Only those whose names are written in that book, the book of life, receive eternal life. The rest are cast into the lake of fire, where they will be destroyed completely. No, they're not put into eternal torment. They are completely and totally destroyed. On a personal level, I have accepted what Jesus did for me. I have asked for forgiveness and based on the promise given in 1 John 1.9 where the Bible says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe my name has been entered into the book of life. Now that's not presumptive to say what I've just said. I can claim those things based on God's promises because God's promises are certain. My own feelings are not that important. My salvation and yours does not depend on feelings. The Apostle Paul claimed that some of his associates had their names in the book of life too. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 3, Paul was counselling two female believers who just did not get on with each other. And then he said, Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, to help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So who else's name is in the book of life? Revelation 3 verse 5 explains. Jesus is speaking. He says, He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. The white robes symbolically stand for the righteousness of Christ. So when the work of judgment of every human being is in process, what criteria will God use to determine who will be given eternal life and who will be condemned? The answer is found in Revelation chapter 14 verse 12. It proclaims this, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints, they are God's people. These are those who obey God's commandment, uh, commandments, I should say. These are those who obey God's commandments and have the faith of and in Jesus. In the book Drama of the Ages, page 322, the author William Branson comments. He says this, The mere fact that one at some time in life has become a Christian and has united with the church is no guarantee of final salvation. The doctrine of once saved, always saved, will not do. There are thousands who start well but who cast away, that is, toss away their confidence, and who, in the final judgment, 
will be found wanting. And I expect that many people, Christian people, do not realise that God has his time. Life will not continue forever as we know it. God intends to make an end of sin and the effects of sin. The earth will be cleansed with fire and after that, God will make all things new that's found in Revelation 21.5. God's books of records reveal only two classes of people, those who trust and obey the Lord and those who don't. Revelation 22.14 and 15 tells about those two classes in terms of those who have the right to enter the place God has prepared for the redeemed and those who are forbidden to enter. Again, Jesus is speaking. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And the prophet Malachi had something similar to say. And you can read it in Malachi, that's the last book of the Old Testament, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And this is what is said. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often to one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him of them that feared the Lord, and thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. I will spare them, as a man spares his own son who serves him. For behold, the day comes that you'll burn as an oven, and all the proud, yes, and all who do wickedly shall be as stubble, and the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord, that it shall not leave them neither root nor branch. But to you, who fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Yes, there are books of records of your life, if you accept the merits of Jesus and if you live according to God's law for living, your name will be transcribed to another book, the book of life. And if you don't, all your misdeeds will remain and in the judgment those records will prove beyond any doubt that you will be condemned to eternal death. Friends, God has done all possible to save you except for one vital thing, and that's to say yes to him. He wants to save you, but cannot and will not force you. It's your choice. I urge you, friends, to make your personal commitment to the Lord. Accept Jesus' substitutionary death for you. Then serve and obey him, and your name will be entered into the book of life. You shall be given eternal life. 
and I want to see you there.